Welcome to Airwaves, the official podcast of the Naval Air Systems Command. I'm your host, Michael Lauren Peru. The workplace has changed dramatically since the start of the pandemic. People are figuring out new ways to manage their time, remain productive, and maintain personal connections, all while working remotely. Despite a majority of the workforce spending most of their time away from the office, professional growth and development remains vitally important for you as an individual and for the organization. So joining us today is Mr. Dan Cockrell, a 27-year Disney veteran and former vice president of the Magic Kingdom, to talk about professional growth, the role mentorship plays in career success, and the importance of developing and maintaining relationships during this unprecedented time. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me, Michael. I love these conversations, and this is a great one, so appreciate it. It absolutely is, and so important for our workforce. Dan, let's start with your background. Tell me a bit about yourself. Yeah, well, I think the most relevant thing to share is my uh, my grandfather was a uh, our graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy in 1942 and served on the Columbia during World War II and uh, was on the maiden voyage of the Enterprise back in the early 70s, the aircraft carrier, and he was a naval architect. So I've got a lot of Navy in my family, although I never served, but I want to thank everyone for serving. And I, you know, it's just, it's, uh, I, I like the fact that you're kind of putting information out there for them. But uh, my background, I grew up, uh, my dad was in the, the hospitality business. So we grew up, I grew up uh, moving a lot when I, when I was little and ended up going to Boston University. I studied political science and uh, ended up somehow always being back in hospitality. I worked at Walt Disney World in college for a summer. And after I graduated, ended up going back to Walt Disney World in an entry-level job, parking cars at Epcot. And that's a, a big part of the Walt Disney Company. Most people start on the front line and learn what the, the company's all about. I spent five years, opened Disneyland Paris as a frontline employee, a, a, training, a, a manager, a, a trainee, and spent five years over there. And then my wife and I moved back to Florida in 1997 and spent the next 20, gosh, 21 years at Walt Disney World and I had 19 different jobs with the company and uh, left about two and a half years ago and Valerie and I started our own consulting company and we are now uh, sharing the our learnings about leadership and customer service and everything we learned at Disney over that that time period. And again, I'm really thankful you're here to share some of that knowledge with us. I mean, with more than two decades of Disney, you obviously have a lot of different experiences. What would you say contributed to your professional success? Well, first of all, I think the same thing we did with our kids is I was working from a young age. You know, when I was 12 or 13, actually, when I was in like third grade, you used to get these catalogs where you'd go sell like greeting cards to your neighbors and then you'd order them and they'd deliver them and you made money. And so I learned that from a young age and I was mowing lawns and I worked in high school during the summers. I worked in college. So I was always had uh, jobs on the side. And I think our kids, when they turned 16, we made sure they had jobs. And you learn a lot when you grow up um, as a, a kid working and you learn a lot about the world and how to interact and how to become more, um, I guess, self-sufficient and resourceful. And uh, I've had, you know, incredible people around me. You know, you talk about mentorship. My parents have been, I was really lucky. They've been married over 50 years and just gave me great advice along the way. My wife, Valerie, has been, you know, she, she worked for Disney for a long time, but she was there during tough times and giving me some 
some advice, but I, I've, I've found just, I've had so many talented people at Disney. I've got to work with role models that have helped me just kind of emulate the way I should uh, behave in that, in that environment. And that's been a big uh, boost for me. And you're right. It's always a great thing to have a good support system around you. So Dan, what would you say were some of the biggest career lessons you learned during your time at Disney? I think a couple things. Uh, first of all, alignment, I think is really important. You know, people say, well, you know, here's a company I want to work for and I'm going to go do that. I think it's important to understand yourself first and what you're good at and what environment you should be in. The military, for example, you know, not everyone should be in the military. It's not everyone has that discipline. Not everyone wants to have that discipline or that structure. Other people, you know, at Disney, if you like working on a team, you like contributing. If you like to uh, collaborate, Disney's a great place. But some people, that's not how they want to do things and they should be entrepreneurs. So I, I was very lucky to work in a place, I think, that aligned to my personal values. And I, I really, I loved, you know, I grew up playing sports and I like the idea of respecting people and, um, and counting on a team and working together towards a goal. And that's what, you know, that's the, how Disney's organized. There's a, another one uh, I've, I've learned over time. There's a, an African proverb that I use often. And it, it says, if you want to go fast, you go alone. And you want, if you want to go far, you go together. And the idea is I learned at Disney that if you want to, if you want to get really get things done that are going to count, you got to get people involved along the way. And, uh, there's no, there's no place for individual superstars. And uh, I think that's a big career lesson I had. And I had a couple moments where my ego got the best of me and I tried to go out and do it on my own and I always failed. So that, that idea of you are a piece of the team and the t if the team gets, reaches the mission, you're all successful was probably the biggest thing I learned over my career. You have a book titled, How's the Culture in Your Kingdom? And it offers a lot of advice on how to succeed professionally. I really, really enjoyed reading it, but I think my favorite part was right at the beginning when you talked about leading self. What control do we have as individuals over our personal success? We have, we control everything. I think, first of all, you know, we control defining what success is. I think people forget that sometimes. They let society or their parents or their spouse or someone else define what success is supposed to be. Whether it's you're supposed to make this much money, you're supposed to have this title, you're supposed to do these things. And social media is only added to that, defining what you're supposed to do. And as I've got on in my life, I realize that, you know what, success is what I decided is. And I decide if I'm successful or not. And so I think a lot of people let other people define that. And I don't think that's very healthy. Uh, all the other things, you know, when it comes to leading self, we control what we eat. We control our exercise. We control how much sleep we get. Uh, where and when, uh, how much time we spend on priorities, how we react to situations, that's all within our control. And uh, to your point, I'm a big fan of that. That's, that was why it was the first part of my book is before you lead your others, before you lead your family, you have to lead yourself. You have to feel good about yourself and be confident. And uh, you need to be a little selfish, I think, because when you feel better, you're better for everyone else. And uh, a lot of people get in this, this mode where you have to sacrifice yourself for others all the time. And, you know, short term, you may do that. But long term, if you don't, if you're not feeling good, you can't, you can't help others. So I think it's a real important area to focus on. So in addition to helping ourselves, it's also important to reach out to mentors. Dan, why do you think mentorship is so important? And what role did mentorship play in your career? Yeah, well, there's, there's three things I was uh, thinking this through. There's, you know, there's leadership, 
there's sponsorship and there's mentorship. And I've figured out over my career how to think about those. So leadership is, you know, I've, I have a, a group that I'm working with regularly and I can not only mentor them, but I can give them specific feedback on their performance and hold them accountable and reward them. And we work together. I mean, I've had other, sometimes people get confused because they're looking for sponsorship. They don't need advice. They don't need a career advice. They need someone to help them move up in the organization to get exposure. And that's what I call sponsorship. And I think it's important to define that if that's what you want from somebody. You know, you're, if you tell your boss, I need you to sponsor me. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means if you think I can be promoted, can you let me know when opportunities come up and can you talk positively about me? And then there's mentorship. The way I look at it, mentorship is really just giving advice on behaviors how to think about situations, uh, sharing your experience, context, being a guide for people. You know, I had, when I was working the Magic Kingdom, I would have cast members come and say, look, I'd like you to mentor me. And I'd say, well, look, I can, I can do that. I can tell you the, the types of things you should be doing, but I can't give you feedback so I don't work with you. And I think sometimes people think that a mentor is going to tell them how they're performing. Well, your boss should be the one doing that. And a lot of times your boss maybe shouldn't be your mentor. A mentor can be a safe place you go where you're willing to ask questions and, you know, uh, get value from the other person's experience. And it doesn't mean, you know, we talk about reverse mentoring. It doesn't have to be someone that has a lot more experience than you, just different experiences. And uh, that's, that's the way I think about mentorship. And I've, I've had all three of those roles in my life. I've had leaders who have been great at giving feedback and holding me accountable and giving me that tough love. I've had uh, people that have been my sponsors and have helped me get the right exposure be able to um, be see where new opportunities are. And I've had mentors, the ones that shared their knowledge and their wisdom with me. And so I think it's really important you make sure you understand which of those things you're asking people for before you get into these relationships. Dan, that's a really unique way to break down those relationships. And it's interesting to see the benefits of each of those relationships in different parts of our career. So as we talk about benefits, how does mentorship benefit the organization? And what would you say it does to help with employee engagement and retention? Many ways. I think the first one is, you know, it creates a sense of belonging and being valued. When people are willing to spend time with you and talk to you to make you better, that's, that's a great thing. And parents do that for their, their kids. Mentors do that for people they're working with. When once someone is going to take time to focus on you, I think it's always valuable. This concept of uh, organizational vibrancy. Our former chairman of Parks and Resorts at Disney, Tom Staggs, had coined this phrase. And I love this phrase because he said, organizational vibrancy means that you are going to be a top performer in your organization and you are going to lift the performance of those around you. So not only are you going to be really good at what you do, but people are going to be better when they work with you. And I think that's what mentors can do for people. And then the, the, you know, the last thing we've, we've learned at Disney over the years, our guests want this and our employees want this. Make me feel special, respect me, and treat me as an individual. And if you can get those three things right with your, with your customers, you're going to have a great business. And by mentoring, I think you certainly do that also. You get people to respect you by taking the time. You make them feel as, as though they're important as individuals, and you do make them feel special. And when people feel like that, they're much more likely to open up tell you about things that need to be fixed or, you know, uh, have those tough conversations and rent retention goes way up because they, I think they realize how unique that environment is when they get that. 
And Dan, you make some really great points about the importance of focusing on others and really lifting up those around us. In a previous Airwaves podcast about inclusion, several members of our own workforce sat down with us and talked about why it's important to feel valued, to be respected. People just want to be heard and they want to feel appreciated and all goes a long way to create that sense of belonging, which is so important. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about mentorship during a pandemic. Obviously, we're not getting a lot of face-to-face interactions right now. So how does mentorship play into our continued professional development? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the first thing is the nature of working from home or working remotely, you are disconnected. You're literally physically disconnected. You're not running into people at the water cooler or in the parking lot. Uh, So you need uh, these uh, relationships. You need to be much more intentful about creating them. I think activities always need to be planned and done with intent. So once again, you can't hope that you're going to have that staff meeting and have those little conversations before and after the meeting. So you have to try to recreate those in this virtual world we're working in. And uh, I think a lot of people are enjoying the benefits of working remotely, but uh, you know, with everything, there's always an upside and a downside. And I think there's a whole bunch of upsides, but when it comes to social interactions, you know, when you're alone, you can create many stories in your head about how good or bad life is. And you really need other people to create some context for you. And so I think that mentorship is incredibly important just to have someone to, to chat with, to make sure, you know, am I, <laughs> I've had those conversations with people. Am I sane here? Is, am I totally crazy? Or does this idea have remotely sound good? And sometimes you don't know. And having other people available to talk to is, uh, is key in recognizing that. And absolutely, I totally agree that telework has its benefits, but I do miss those social interactions, those face-to-face opportunities to talk to coworkers while in the workplace. So Dan, how can we continue to develop or cultivate personal relationships in the virtual environment? And why do you think this is especially important for younger employees or, or people who are newer to our organization? Yeah, so I'm I'm seeing this firsthand. Uh, my wife and I have three kids, and our middle daughter uh, Margot just started working for a startup company. They're based in Nashville, and she works out of her apartment in Aurora, uh, Colorado, outside of Denver. So she's literally never met anyone she works for or works with. She interviewed, she got the job, and now she's with them. So this company, they're really smart. Uh, they have something called Office Study Hall. And study hall means every uh, a few times a week, everyone logs into the same platform and they're virtually all the pictures are there. Everyone's just working quietly. And if someone has a question, they ask someone else or they go into a, a different chat room and have that conversation, but they're bringing them together. And everyone knows if I need to talk to a couple of people, I know that study hall is tomorrow from two to four. So I know they're going to be available and I can have those, those conversations. And then besides that, there's all kinds of things you can do. Book club. Hey, we're going to sign a book. And we're going to talk about it. Or we're going to do a round table. A leader says, you know, I, I pick five people and every week I want to get five people on a call and ask them how things are going. Or if you have new employees, uh, we always talk about those importance of what we call hyper care at Disney. The first 90 days in a job, it's easy to leave. So you really need to, as a boss, talk to your people very frequently in the, that first 90 days. And then, you know, maybe just even the diet, the, 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 the equivalent of, of speed dating. Hey, we're going to get everyone on and everyone's going to get five minutes each to talk about who they are, where they're from. And so, but you just got to, I think the key is put time aside. 
because when you're doing things virtually, it's easy just to schedule staff meetings and updates and it's all business. And I think you need to create some other opportunities for people to talk about, you know, their, their, their broader development and how they're feeling and how, what they're learning at the same time. Yeah, I've noticed since the start of the pandemic and our shift to a distributed work environment that a lot of the teams around our organization are holding these weekly or, or monthly virtual meetups. And it's not intended to be a time to discuss work. It's meant to be a check-in just to see how we're all doing. And this is something that you touched on in a recent episode of your own podcast, Come Rain or Come Shine. You also discussed how to stand out while working remotely. So how does someone get noticed in an increasingly distant work environment? Yeah, I think there's a few ways. One is to pay attention, listen intently. It's easy to be distracted with these, some of these online environments and meetings and ask questions. You know, force yourself to say, you know what, in a meeting, I'm going to make sure I'm asking questions, not for the sake of asking them. They need to be helpful, but stay engaged. People need to hear your voice. Uh, a lot, you know, I, I see people in meetings sometimes, they're like, they listen, they take notes. Okay, I, I listen, but you need to be uh, contributing. That's what people are looking for. Taking initiative, coming up with new ideas. Hey, have we thought about this? Have we thought about that? And I think a lot of people get nervous. Well, what if they, what if they say no? Well, they're going to say no to some of the things, ideas you have, but if you're not proposing them, you're not going to be seen as adding value and just say yes. Uh, once again, I'll talk about Margo last week. They, someone said, Hey, can someone take the, on Saturday, can someone take over the, the chat bot for two hours to respond to customers? And she raised her shoes. The first one said, yep, I'll take two hours. And you, you start becoming known as that person who constantly has the right attitude. You're they're leaning in, they're interested to do more. And uh, those are the people who get more opportunities over time. So certainly important to stay engaged as an individual, but what can leaders do to improve employee engagement in a distributed work environment? Yeah, I think um, a, a big one is um, continuing to share work. You know, in this environment, it's easy to assign tasks to people and not tell them the bigger picture. And if you tell a team the bigger picture of what's trying to get done and encourage them to work together, um, you're not going to get that one person that has, you know, five hours of workload and the other one has an hour and they never talk to each other. So you got to figure out ways to share the work, share the, make sure everyone knows what the mission is and then give them the empowerment to change the plan to get it done. Because once again, if you're not in there, not together a lot, you'll just do your piece and you're done for the day, not knowing that the rest of the team has a lot more work ahead of them. And I, I, that's probably the, the biggest thing for me is get beyond the tasks and ask the why. What's the bigger picture? And if the team understands the bigger picture, they'll be more likely to help each other out and everyone benefits from that. I'd like to go back to our talk on professional development. I know for a lot of people, for various reasons, our schedules look a bit different these days. How do we find ways or how do we create opportunities to improve ourselves while working remotely? I think structure is key. Scheduling things. Schedule 30 minutes and say, hey, I'm going to read for 30 minutes. And you start the timer. You know, I, I have to discipline myself. I, I like reading, but if I won't, if given the choice, I'll probably check email or read articles or do other things. Or if I have a book, I'll say, you know what, I'm going to read one chapter a day and then schedule the time to get that done. Or you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch two TED Talks a week and I'm going to make sure I get that done and I'm going to send out my notes to my team. Uh, scheduling your exercise. 
put that in your schedule. If it's 6 a.m., it's scheduled, you know, okay, it's, it's a meeting. It's, you know, now you got a little bit of uh, discipline to get it done. Um, so I think scheduling and structure is key. Somehow people think that just because you're working remotely, maybe you don't have to have as much structure. I think you need more structure and that'll help you really get things done. And uh, if you're a less structured person, that's going to, that'll, that'll make you, you'll be much happier at the end of the week that you got a lot of stuff done that you wouldn't have done otherwise, just by, you know, introducing a little discipline into your life. I know a schedule has been a valuable asset to my family during this time. Like so many other people out there, we are trying to balance work from home, our children's virtual schooling from home, trying to find time for exercise and family activities. It's a lot. But I I think a schedule, it's helped us stay focused. It's also improved our overall mental health and general well-being. So speaking of health, How can managers and those in leadership positions cultivate a healthy workplace? And Dan, I really want to talk about how they can best support employees during this period of remote work. Yeah, I think a few things. Uh, Something I used to do in my staff meetings, which I did in person, but I think it's great to do it virtually, is start every meeting off with um, uh, an agenda item. I called it exceptional moments. Hey, before we start our meeting today, does anyone want to share a funny story or something that happened in their life this week about their kids or their dog or something outside of work and let people just have a moment where you're all real people talking to each other. If you're the leader of that group, you know, share with the group. Yeah. I was on a call yesterday with a client and you know, my, my two-year-old came running up on my lap during the pitch and here's how it happened. You know, I think that vulnerability and being genuine with people is great because uh, everyone's dealt with that. And I think that's an important piece. Quick one-on-one calls with people, you know, not a staff meeting, but hey, every week I, I'm going to put 10 minutes aside to check in with each of you individually. It's not going to be about what you're working on. It's going to be how you feeling, what's happened, what do you need from me? And just having those, that, that one opportunity to, to have that conversation. I think text groups are great. If you're all remotely to get a a text in the morning. Hey, everyone, good morning. I know we have a busy day today. I'm available from noon to one if you have any questions about what's happening and then maybe send out a little joke for the day or, or something and just stay virtually connected and have that chat group up and running and then just creating some fun. You know, hey, Friday nights, maybe we'd get, I'll get on at five and have a, a 10 minute uh uh, here's to the week, or maybe we recap the week, or on Monday mornings we get together. What what are we trying to get done this week? And on Fridays we cap it off. I think there's a lot of very cheap, low cost things that leaders can do: mailing stuff, go on Amazon, and maybe send a game to their direct reports. And if they have kids, send them something. And go, hey, I, I was thinking about you, and this weekend here's a shoots and ladders. I don't know if your kids have this game. I mean, once again, I know people say, well, we don't have a budget. Well, you can get some stuff. It just it's the um, it's that the fact that you're thinking more broadly about the person and not just the work they're getting done that, uh, and it's the, just the fact you thought about them, I think goes a long way. And it really all goes back to being intentional in your actions. Dan, you mentioned texting as a good way to connect with coworkers. What are some other ways to communicate with employees, especially while working remotely? I don't know if there's a best communication type, I think you just have to, once again, coming back to be intentful, everyone decide on what the communication is going to be and everyone follow that protocol. If everyone agrees that, you know what, we are going to stay connected through text messaging. You can't have 10 people on the team agree and two people decide they don't like text messaging or everyone change. So just everyone decide, okay, how are we going to stay connected and communicate? 
and what's the protocol going to be? And maybe everyone knows, you know what? Every Monday morning we have the, we always have the 30 minute kick the week off meeting. We all get to update everyone on what our, what we're working on. Maybe midweek you have a check-in, end of week you have a check-in, or we're all going to stay connected on text groups or every other day we're going to have the study hall and everyone knows that that's what the, the protocol is going to be. So I don't think there's a best one. I think just be consistent and make sure everyone understands clearly what it is. And that'll, that's going to take you a long way. Dan, as we wrap up today, I'd love to talk about the importance of work-life balance. The pandemic has obviously impacted us all in many different ways. What tips do you have for maintaining balance during this time? Yeah, well, you know, during this time, I don't know if you're always going to have balance. I mean, this is a hard time right now. And I think, you know, I've been talking to a few people and they say, well, I'm kind of stressed out. And I say, well, what's going on? Well, you know, I got three kids at home, four years old, four years old or younger. I got a project I'm working on. I have a client. My spouse is working. And I tell them, you should be stressed out. I mean, there's like, why, why would you not be stressed out? I've told that a few people that they're like, wow, okay, thank you. I thought I was supposed to be cool and calm and collected. I'm like, no, this is normal. So I think one is give yourself a break because it, it's a very tough situation right now. It's very different. People don't know what the future holds. That's stressful. You know, overall, it's uh, just know this is going to be a tough time. And what are you taking away from this? What are you learning right now? If I can't have the environment I want right now, what at least what am I going to learn from this to become better? So when this goes away, I'm going to have learned some new, a new way to work or maybe a new way to deal with stress and, and even be better in the future. And Dan, I think your grandfather summed it up perfectly. And you shared this in your book, his quote, hey, do the best you can and then forgive yourself. Such valuable advice and certainly words I've taken to heart over the past few months. Thank you for joining us today and for sharing your experiences and your tips for finding success in the remote work environment. If you would like to hear more from Dan, join us January 26th for Navier's virtual celebration of National Mentoring Month and 2020 Mentor of the Year Award Recognition Program. Dan is a guest speaker, and he will be sharing his thoughts on mentoring in the new normal. You can register for this event on Navier U. And that's it for this edition of Airwaves. Thanks for listening.